Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science AF. Science A. Science is fuck. Welcome to Science AF. I'm your host, Dave Chacho, and I'm Science as Fuck. Welcome to 2019, the not too distant future. This is a science slash comedy podcast hosted by myself and Jesse Klein and sometimes Robert Chan. But for this new year, we're going to go with a little bit of a different format. In an effort to get this podcast out more often, I'm going to start doing oneers, and I want to talk a little bit more about science. We're still going to do the interviews, but maybe about once a month or so, and we'll have Jesse or Chan or both. But for the other weeks, when everybody's too busy or too lazy to schedule guests, I'm going to be talking about science news myself, the lone science jerk. The unaffiliated Ronin of Science AF, your old friend Chacho, will be bringing the science news, and here we go. Let's start with a trip to Saturn. As you may recall, the Cassini spacecraft, the NASA probe that was sent to study Saturn, sent a lot of information in last year and then did a death spiral through the rings of Saturn and into the planet probably exploding on entry or being crushed to death or possible choking to death and developing cancer from Saturn's smoggy clouds. But before it died, Cassini sent us a shitload of data and scientists are still plowing through to see what it all means. But we've had some a lot of Saturn slash rings related news come out lately one of the headlines you may have seen is saturn's rings are disappearing yes that's right the iconic rings around saturn that we've all built for our seventh grade science project are slowly going away so if you plan to live another 100 to 300 million years you might see a day when an immodestly naked Saturn is flying through the skies without any rings. That's right, they're giving it 100 to 300 million years before they're gone. But what's happening right now is they found that they're slowly raining. The rings are like little rocks and dust and stuff, and it's slowly raining down on the planet. So get there before they're gone. Take your trip to Saturn to see the rings sometime in the next 100 to 300 million years. Are you going to miss out? You may have also seen a headline, Saturn's rings are much younger than we thought. I guess when Saturn was first discovered, we just figured that those rings had been there all the time from the beginning. But new evidence shows that Saturn was a planet before it had rings. And new evidence shows that it was probably formed about 100 million years ago. So that means there were dinosaurs, plants, possibly pterodactyls, allosauruses, maybe bronchiosauruses, definitely some fish with big teeth, most likely a school of trilobites. All these things existed on Earth before Saturn's rings were formed. It was probably like a um, 
I don't know, something... Uh... So I'm reading this story in Popular Mechanics, and it doesn't conjecture on how the rings formed. I'm assuming it was like maybe two asteroids smashed into each other, or maybe something smashed into Saturn and threw a bunch of shit out into space. And in that case, they would call it a failed moon, because uh, on Earth, uh, when something smashed into Earth millions and millions of hundreds and millions of years ago, the moon broke off and it congealed into one spherical object. But Saturn did not get its moon-forming merit badge because whatever happened to it, all that stuff was thrown out there. And instead of congealing into a nice ball-shaped rock, it all spread around as Saturn rotated and thinned and spread out into what we now know as the rings of Saturn. And one more story from the Cassini spacecraft. The waves in Saturn's rings has made it possible to precisely measure Saturn's rotation rate. In other words, how long is a Saturn day? Nobody knew. Even in the 21st century, even with all of our technology and all of these millennials, nobody knew up until recently how long a Saturn day was and that's because if you've ever seen a picture of Saturn it's sort of a like it's it's a gas giant like Jupiter and you can't see inside we we can see clouds it's it, it's basically a cloudy obfuscated milky opaque uh, layer around the outside and we can't see what's inside now we think, and it's probably probable or probably a fact, that there is a core inside the gas giants. But the conjecture from what I've read is that there's no actual, what you would call a surface. Since there's so much gravity, it starts sort of as a thick gas on the outside. Those are the clouds we see. And it becomes more and more dense as you go in. And it might just sort of transform into water at some point or liquid something and then transform into a solid. But there's there's not like a ground. It's like a gradual change from uh, cloud to rock somewhere deep inside. And even the cloud on the very outside is fairly dense because we know that the Cassini spacecraft, when it fell in, uh, only lasted a few seconds. I mean, maybe once it goes past the clouds, they probably can't communicate with it. So maybe it's in there somewhere, bouncing around and screaming for help. But what they were able to find f with the data sent back from Cassini is that the rings themselves have little waves in them. And the the reason for the, the waves is uh, it's a combination of... Uh, uneven heat effects inside the planet and uh, radio uh, radio waves or a, a uh, the magnetic field from inside the planet radiating out and uh, imagine like uh, the skin of a grapefruit has tiny bumps in it so the, like that as it spins the magnetic field has tiny bumps in it uh, to do different heat in 
other factors inside the planet. So what does that mean? That means there's something spinning inside. We can't see it spinning because it's covered in clouds. But now, for the first time, we can measure how it's spinning because the ripples in the rings themselves are also moving. So, you thought you were being coy, Saturn, but now we know all your secrets. The length of a day on Saturn is 10 hours, 33 minutes, and 38 seconds. So, about half day. Everybody takes half days at work there. They don't get a lot done. Um, if you're going to be visiting Saturn, I, I would probably recommend uh, staying up for two days and planning to sleep every other day. I, I think that's probably going to be standard procedure for visiting Saturn in the future. So now we know everything there is to know about Saturn's rings. What else? Some happy news. A little closer to home. A Bolivian frog that was feared extinct, or almost extinct, there was only one lonely male survivor that was known about until now. The Sehuencas water frog hasn't been seen in over 10 years since the back in the aughts when music sucked and movies were better. It, it was pretty much wiped out by a fungal disease called chytridiomycosis, chytrid fungus, they're calling it, uh, which has wiped out a bunch of frogs all around the world, including all of the Bolivian mountain frogs that were known of, except for one. They don't say what his name is. I assume they call him George. So they found five, a little family of five, somewhere in a lake in Bolivia. And this, I mean, how do you have just five frogs? Like, it's, it's a pretty tight-knit family. There's probably a lot of incest going on. But they were somehow able to survive the, the fungus attack. Either they're immune to it, which would be awesome, meaning that they could actually come back and form a nice little, say, Huacas water frog community. Or... They just got lucky, and they haven't been uh, attacked by the fungus yet, in which case the herpetologists that are studying them might make them sick and die. We'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully they will be able to help the population rebound, and hopefully they'll get George laid. In the forefront of horror science, a team has developed a walking robot alligator skeleton and there's video of it that will haunt your dreams this is a study led by john nyakatura a paleontologist at humboldt university in berlin on the animal called orobates pabsti which lived around 300 million years ago and it looks like a big alligator there's a skeleton they have an, uh, a skeleton of the orobates pabsti and they turned the skeleton into the Orobot. Orobotes is its name of the animal. Orobot is the name of the robot. They took this dug-up skeleton of the alligator and they affixed metal or plastic legs to it and hooked those legs up to a computer and the thing can walk around. And for good measure, they put 
some sort of white foam in its eye sockets. So it looks like a zombie from Walking Dead alligator skeleton robot. How many horror themes can you guys put together, John Nayakatura? The reason they did this is because they have skeletons of the earliest uh, amniotes. Amniotes are what they're studying. That means animals that come from eggs. So mammals, birds, lizards, all of us come from eggs. We are all amniotes. Some of the earliest amniotes are those these orobates, uh, these horror alligators. And they're trying to study how they walked around. Why? I don't know. So they, they have the uh, preserved footprints of these alligators and skeletons of these alligators. And they're using the robot to match up to the footprints to figure out how it walked along, uh, how it walked around. And it looks terrifying in the video. I'm looking at sciencenews.org. It's worth a, lo- a watch. What they found was that it had sort of a modern gait, it said. It held its belly off the ground and had a stable, efficient gait without a lot of side-to-side salamander-like undulations. That's the robot they're talking about. And, by extension, the ancient, deceased, dead, extinct creature. I don't know if I approve of that unprovoked attack on the way salamanders walk seemed unnecessary both ableist and salamander adjacent so it says similar studies have also demonstrated that amniotes from the same locality were using a range of different walking styles some had erect limbs like the one we're talking about opabsti orobates pabsti some sprawled around and at least one animal walked on two legs it thought it was people. So I guess what they're finding is they had more silly walks than ever thought possible years before Monty Python. In other crazy biology news, scientists in Antarctica have found the skeletons of some animals down deep below the ice in a hidden lake. This this expedition to Lake Mercer in Antarctica near the South Pole Let's see, 600 kilometers from the South Pole. So, yeah, that's that's a good uh, day's drive, right? The expedition known as Subglacial Antarctic Lake Scientific Access, or SALSA for some reason, has been drilling down into Lake Mercer. Uh, Lake Mercer, uh, like uh, Lake Vostok, which we talked about before in the Science Jerks, are both... Hidden lakes below the ice in Antarctica, and they think they've been cut off from the outside world for, what is it, a million years? Since prehistoric times, until that insatiable human need to drill finally resulted in these lakes being drilled. They're way down below the ice, so they drilled down into them. And I think we talked about this on the Science Jerks. They were surprised to find living microbes down there. One-celled organisms living in the ice cut off from the rest of the world, meaning there's no there's no uh, oxygen down there or very little. Uh, there's some in the water. 
Uh, there's no way out or in to this lake, so there's there's been things living in the lake, microbes at least, since Allosaurus's and trilobites were walking around. And what they found now is skeletons of uh, slightly bigger animals than microbes. They found water bears, tiny little animals. Are they actually animals? Yes, they are animals. Water bears, otherwise known as tardigrades, are small animals, microscopic animals, but they are animals. They have little legs and little squish faces, and I don't think they have any eyes, but there they are. They're down there. They found some dead, deceased bodies of tardigrades in tiny tardigrade coffins next to little tardigrade gravestones, or tardigraves as they're known in the industry, but they have not found any living down there. So the question is, are there living animals in a sealed-off lake that have made it since prehistoric times? And if so, how the F did they do it? Stand by to learn more years from now. And finally, since it's a brand new year, let's take a look at the World Health Organization's list of top 10 global health threats to humanity. David Letterman, can we get a drum roll? Number 10, air pollution and climate change. Actually, it's probably number one. I don't know. They're just listed here in popular science. I don't know if they are on a scale of 1 to 10, but... In no particular order, number 10 is air pollution slash climate change. That sounds pretty obvious. It's probably the the scariest threat to all of us over the next couple decades. Number two, diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. Non-communicable disease, non diseases are still on the prowl, even though we've made a lot of progress in the last few years and decades. And the WHO points out that most of these non-communicable diseases can be traced back to five things. Tobacco, physical inactivity, alcohol, bad diet, and air pollution. So if you just stop doing those five things, the five things you happen to love most, you'll be fine. Number three, a global influenza pandemic. The flu is going to get you. There's flu outbreaks all over the world all every year, but they're getting stronger and this uh let's see when Queen Zhang, when Queen Zhang, who is part of WHO's global influenza program, says that another pandemic caused by a new influenza virus is a certainty. So Way to be optimistic, Win Queen Jing. Every once in a while, a strong strain of the flu, such as the Spanish flu, comes out and kills everybody. So we have that look to look forward to. Number whatever the next is, fragile, vulnerable regions. Uh, I guess that means poor countries with bad health care are a risk to humanity. Famine, drought, war, places like that, which are fragile and vulnerable, make us all fragile and vulnerable. 
So fight for social justice. Number next, antimicrobial resistance. We've heard about this so many times. Every time we use antibiotics to kill off a disease, that disease gets pissed and comes back as a stronger, more resistant monster of a disease. Tuberculosis is making a comeback, and it says here that 600,000 cases last year were resistant to the most effective drugs. So, great. We all have coughing up blood to look forward to this year. Number next one, Ebola and other pathogens. I mean, you can't just group a lot of these together, right? It's another scary bug. Look out for it. Number six, weak primary health care. Plug, plug for single-payer health care. Don't vote Republican if you want to live. Number seven, the anti-vax movement. We know these people don't fall victim to their bad science. Vaccinations are safe and a necessity for humanity to continue living. So don't vote for crystal-waving hippies. Number nine, dengue. Again, another pathogen. Dengue fever sounds bad. It's spreading faster due to climate change and also due to global global travel so globe trotters and oil execs fingers pointed at you for dengue fever and number 10 with a bullet hiv even though people can live with it longer now still nearly a million people die of hiv slash aids every year a lot in africa let's get a handle on that shit world those are the 10 global health threats according to the World Health Organization. So choose which one you want to die from and put it in your review for Science AF. That's our show. Thanks for listening. We're going to be doing more of these oneers, and we're also going to be do- going back to the co-hosted guested episodes too, but probably about once a month. So we're going to try to release something every week and perhaps two or three times a a month they will be oneers and once or twice a month they're going to have special guests so i hope you will enjoy the fount of informational knowledge that we're ejecting into your brains please give us a rating or a review or tell your friends or like us or thumbs up us or give us a little heart or retweet us uh give us 12 dingleberries at dingleberries.com give us three forks up at fork rating or seven chrysanthemums at how many chrysanthemums.com visit our website scienceafpod.com we're also scienceafpod on twitter and facebook i've been your host dave chacho i'm at dave chacho and all the things thanks for listening we'll see you next week bye science af the world health science af the world health organization science af who science af science af science af science as fuck